welcome and Merry Christmas. I'd invite you to find a seat if you have not already. We're excited to be together and celebrate the good news of Jesus' birth. Um, and just as a friendly reminder for your sake, if you have a cell phone and you would be embarrassed if it rang in the middle of the service, I'm letting you know about it. I wouldn't be embarrassed for you, but this is, this is your, uh, just to help you. <laughs> Yeah. 
Good evening and Merry Christmas, everyone. It's so great to see all of you. My name is Simon, and welcome to one of the most special services that we uh, have throughout the year. So a Merry Christmas to you all. A couple of things about this evening. If you have young kids um, and they start to get a little bit antsy during the service, then we do have an unsoft uh, nursery, and you can follow the signs through there um, just for a place to let them get some energy out. But we have a live stream in there, so you won't miss anything. Uh, we don't usually meet on Sunday evenings. We actually usually meet in the mornings. So next Sunday um, and onwards, we'll go back to our regular service times, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and we would love to see you there at, at one of them. So please join us, join us there. We also have uh, a tradition that we have each year on New Year's Eve where we go ice skating. And this year is the same. We're keeping up the tradition. Um, and so uh, next Sunday, I believe, is uh, New Year's Eve. And it's going to be a, a Poco Rec Center, 4 to 5.30 p.m., $15 for a family, $5 per person, plus, plus rental uh, fees. But um, please join us along for that. That would be great as well. And uh, there's going to be some, I think, drinks and goodies as well. If you have any leftover from Christmas that you want eaten up, then uh, not be a temptation in the house, then you can bring those along as well. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll happily take that burden from you. Um, <laughs> Speaking of nice food and drinks, we have uh, a few things after the service as well, so stick around for some refreshments uh, that we have in the West Hall. Um, and finally, we are sponsoring a uh, family of six, a refugee family of six people um, to, to come to Canada. And uh, so we have an offering, um, a giving for, uh, for that family. And so if you'd like to give to them, uh, you should be able to find one of these cards uh, on a seat near you or around you. Um, we've got a giving station at the back where you can give to them, um, or you can give online or scan this QR code. But please, uh, we'd love um, for you to give whatever you can. And so uh, that's pretty much it. Let's uh, sing some more carols together. If you're willing, I'd invite you to stand as we sing.
take a seat, and we now have the time for a good old kid's Christmas story. So if you are a child in the room, I invite you to get up, come to the front to this cozy chair where Jenna is going to read us a Christmas story. Are there any other kids who want to come up? Oh, I see. Yeah, we'll wait for you guys. Come on up. Good. Yeah, come have a seat. And there will be some pictures on the screen, too, for the parents who want to see. All right. So this is called The Christmas Promise. Can you guys see? A long, long time ago, so long that it's hard to imagine, God promised a new king. He wasn't any ordinary king like the ones we see on TV or in books. He would be different. He would be a new king, a rescuing king, a forever king. And do you know what? One precious night, God kept his Christmas promise. Would you like to know how he did it? The Christmas story starts with an angel. Whoosh! He came from God to see Mary. The angel had a special message. Mary, you're going to have a baby. He will be a special baby. God promises that your baby is going to be king. Not for a little time, but forever and ever. He will be the forever king. Mary was going to marry Joseph. So God sent another angel, whoosh, he came to see Joseph. The angel had a special message. Mary is going to have a very special baby, the angel said to Joseph. Her baby is going to be king and will rescue his people. He will be a rescuing king. God had promised that his new king would be born in a little city called Bethlehem. And that's where Mary and Joseph went. But Bethlehem was very busy with lots and lots and lots of people. So when the baby was born, he had to sleep in a manger instead of a bed. All the other mangers in Bethlehem held food for hungry animals to munch. But this manger held a tiny baby. He was God's special new king. The shepherds in the field had such a surprise. It was quiet and dark, and the sheep were snoozing when whoosh, an angel popped into the sky. Now the sky was bright, and the shepherds were so, so scared. But the angel had a special message for them. Don't be afraid, I have wonderful good news for you, the angel said. God's chosen king has been born tonight. He is going to rescue his people just as God promised. He will be the rescuing king. Then lots and lots of other excited angels joined in to celebrate. The shepherds were really excited. They went rushing to see the new king, and there he was, lying in a manger, just as the angel had said. But they weren't the only ones who had heard the good news about the promised new king. Some wise men living far, far away had also been sent a message. It was quiet and dark, and they were watching the stars when whoosh, a new star popped into the sky. The star had a special message. The wise men knew what it meant. 
A very special king had been born, the king for all God's people. This child was the promised new king. The wise men were so excited, so they went on a long journey to see the new king. And there he was, just as the star had shown them. Everything God promised, yeah, everything God promised came true. There are lots and lots of different kings in the world, but God sent the greatest king of all. He sent a new king, a rescuing king, a forever king. And do you know who that, what that king's name is? His name is Jesus. Jesus. Good job, you guys. All right, you can go back to your parents. Why don't we stand and continue to sing together?
may take a seat. We're going to do a little bit of a responsive, participatory thing. Um, where I'm going to, we're going to go through a couple of reflections, thinking about different characters in the Christmas story. And at the end of each of those, I am going to ask you a question, and you are going to answer me. And we're going to help you by giving you the answers with which you can answer me. <laughs> so uh, after I ask a question, um, the answer will come on the screen, and read it back to me, um, if you would like to participate. So. It was evening when all of the most anxious thoughts are most loud. Joseph thought about the growing baby bump of his fiancée, Mary. He thought about the tiny child, alive and growing, nurtured by this remarkable woman. To himself, he thinks, what child is this? Mary looks down at the squirming, cooing, newborn baby in her arms. She recalled her nervousness and her excitement at the news of the angel so many months ago. She remembered the strangeness of having life created in her very body, a brand new creation, a human like no other before him and none other after him. What child is this? The Most High, the Son of God, the Lord God who appeared in the throne of his father David, and his kingdom will never end. Embarrassed by the smell of body odor and wilderness, the shepherds couldn't help themselves from getting closer to this tiny child. A baby announced by uncountable heavenly messengers. So much said about one so small. What child is this? The hearts of Anna and Simeon almost stopped when they saw two parents bringing forward their weak old baby, his dark eyes looking up at them. But somehow, it was these two prophets who were seeing for the first time. What child is this? gather together on Christmas Eve, singing strange and familiar songs. What strange stories, what strange messages, what a strange way to bring peace on earth. How strange that a little Middle Eastern Jewish boy's birth would spark songs that we sing 2,000 years later. What child is this? 
comes only in the loudest and busiest times. One of those times where my mind is both vacant and chaotic, overwhelmed by uncertainty and terrified of the things that are certain. Who can truly understand this strange human life, one of such unmeasurable joys and such tragic miseries? How is it? that God might volunteer to participate with me in such a bizarre existence. What child is this? He is the eternal one, become flesh to make his dwelling among us. In him is life, and that life is the light of all humanity. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. These are tidings of comfort and joy. So let's continue to sing about them. Would you stand?
I think you may have a seat. Guys, that was so good. Thank you for leading us in song tonight. Beautiful. First time we've had a tuba in the house, I think. Can we give it up for the, the team here tonight? So good. Uh, good evening again and Merry Christmas. My name is Derwin and I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad you're here. Can you believe it? Uh, Christmas is like hours away. It's tomorrow. And for those of you who are not ready, um, I wanted to give you just a little bit of hope. 7-Eleven is still open. You can go right after the service. There's still time. <clears throat> but when we think about the, the coming of December 25th, we think of this wonderful annual phenomenon called the spirit of Christmas. It's kind of an attitude. It's a cultural mood or it's a mindset. It's kind of hard to define the spirit of Christmas. But you know it when you, you see it. You know it when you feel it. 
Um, people are friendlier to each other. They talk to each other more. People in elevators or in lines at the store realize that they don't have to be strangers to one another. They're, they're somehow more connected as if we're friends. Neighbors who might uh, normally just kind of rush past each other in, in their quest to get where they're going um, linger longer in their driveways. And they show up at your doorstep with gifts and maybe food, and they compliment each other on how their houses look while secretly comparing their Christmas decor. <laughs> there are certain uh, foods and tastes this time of year. We drink eggnog, and we eat exotic, smelly cheeses, and there's turkey with cranberry sauce, and then there's mincemeat pie, which I always thought was such a disappointment because there's actually no meat in it. Um, and it was a little ahead of its time for vegetarian food and cuisine. And then there's fruitcake. How fruitcake became an annual tradition, we will never know. People get more generous this time of year. They want to give gifts to family and friends. And while we know it can kind of get commercial, there's something about wanting to give that is a good thing. And donations go up. You go to the store, and there's someone ringing a bell for Salvation Army, and it feels good to give. Something inside of us responds to people who are in need more at this time of year. We open ourselves up to joy. We decorate stuff. We eat stuff. We wear stuff. We play old Christmas carols like Jim Reeve. Any Jim Reeve fans in the house? Uh, we watch things like It's a Wonderful Life and Elf and the Grinch, and people who never sing anything any other time in the year find themselves singing Christmas carols. Am I right? People seem to be kinder at Christmas. You know, old grudges seem like they're more likely to be forgiven. Uh, something inside of us gets a little warmer. Our hearts get just a bit more tender. We have a way of remembering what really matters, and we miss and we long for the people who we've lost and we treasure the people who we have. Now, all of this is part of this wonderful, joyful, annual thing that we call the spirit of Christmas. And I think it's a good thing. I think it says something good about human beings that we want this. But it raises the question, a question once posed by the great theologian Elvis Presley. Why can't every day be like Christmas? <laughs> You see, the problem with the spirit of Christmas is December 26th. It comes along every year, and it, everything kind of comes to a stop, and it never lasts. Let me tell you about the most poignant example of this. A number of books have been written about this, even a film. But back in the Christmas of 1914, World War I had begun months earlier, and there was a western front that stretched through all of Belgium and a good portion of France. And this is the first time in the modern age where we saw what modern technology could do when it comes to destruction. And so soldiers would live mostly in trenches, in the mud and the blood and the filth of these trenches. And the opposing troops would in some cases be 50 or 60 meters away. They were so close, they knew where you were and you could hear their conversations. And World War I and this decimation started. But a few months into it, before this had a, a lot of this had a, hard, a, a way of becoming hardened, on December 24th, an odd thing happened in Belgium and some other spots. English soldiers saw German soldiers start to set little trees up on top of their trenches. And they attached little 
ribbons to them, and they attached little lit candles to them as well. And then they started to sing, and although the words were foreign, the tunes were familiar. Still a night, heilige night, still silent night, holy night. And the English soldiers started to sing back. And these trenches, which a few hours earlier had been filled with men trying to kill each other, are now filled with men singing Christmas carols together. They began to call out Christmas greetings to one another across no man's land. One of them put up a sign, this this actually happened, that that said, we won't shoot if you won't shoot. And, And some of them actually got up out of their trenches and they began walking across no man's land and they began to give each other gifts and chocolates and gloves and food. That's Christmas Eve. And then on Christmas Day, this was recorded in the, in the London Times, one of the English soldiers had, for some reason, we, we wonder why, uh, a soccer ball with him, and they actually held a soccer match between the Germans and the English in no man's land. Germans won three to two. And then they carried the bodies that had been lying there for days or for weeks back to their trenches so that they could bury their friends. And in one case recorded, both German and English dug a grave together and buried a dead soldier. And then they recited in in both German and English the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Nobody planned this, no politicians negotiated this peace just happened one Christmas. Then the next morning, December 26th, they just started killing each other again. This went on for four years, and the generals and the leaders and the politicians made sure there'd be no truce the next year on December 24th, and nine million young men were killed. The spirit of Christmas says such wonderful things about the human heart, but it's so elusive. It, it, it seems like such a simple thing. It seems if we just like worked a little harder, if we just slowed down, if we just looked each other in the eye more, if we just got a little bit more tolerant or, or got a little bit more educated, if we tried to, to be a little kinder, we've been trying for a long time now and somehow we can't. See, it really is a, a very profound question. Why can't every day be like Christmas? And if you really want to know, I'll tell you what the writers of Scripture say. They say that because in this world of such beauty and loveliness, everybody you know is clothed by this dark, twisted, awful force called sin. And it was in those soldiers, and it's in me, and it's in you. And it's why we deceive and grab and grasp and hurt and kill. And we can't make it go away. And a little holiday spirit can't cure it. There's a man named Stuart Briscoe who talks about a distinction. I think he gets this exactly right. Everybody has to kind of decide this for themselves. But he says, what we really need in our world isn't really the spirit of Christmas. What we really need is the spirit of Christ. Help from beyond ourselves. That's what we remember on this day is Jesus He came not to establish even a religion or a mindset or a holiday or even a season. What what Jesus came to establish was his presence here among us. And then he really did come to live on the earth and teach us how you live life. And 
And then because that got him into trouble with so many people, he was placed on a, on a cross as a young man, and he died there. And, and somehow there, maybe even especially there, in all that darkness, God was at work. And all that darkness and all that sin broke itself on him. And he paid this debt, and he, he died this death for us, and then he was raised to life one Easter Sunday, and that's hope, and that's good news for the human race. And the last thing he said to his closest friends was, surely I will be with you always, even to the ends of the age. No matter where you are, no matter when it is, no matter what you've done, I will be with you. And Jesus said he'd actually come uh, and, and take up residence in our hearts and in our life, that, that for those who want him, he'll be there, and, and he will begin to change the way that you think, the way that you live, and the way that you feel. And this is, this is hope for the world. It, it doesn't mean that when you choose to follow Christ or, or have him in your life, that life will be easy. It doesn't mean that it'll be simple to do or easy to understand. But it's the only hope that, that faltering and dying human beings have that's bigger than death. Briscoe said this. He said, while the spirit of Christmas is annual, the spirit of Christ lasts forever. You see, the spirit of Christmas is, is kind of sentimental. <laughs> like it, it comes and it goes. Like just try driving on the street the day before Christmas. People still make you mad, don't they? <laughs> Uh, like the cashier I met at the store the other day, he was obviously frustrated by all the shoppers' demands, and he said to me, I'm afraid I've lost a little of, the Christmas, of my Christmas spirits. But the Spirit of Christ is always with us. The Spirit of Christmas is a human product. People engineer and market it and sell it to us, but the Spirit of Christ is a person. It's Jesus. And the birth of that one child, we believe this, changed everything. So I guess the question is, if you would be willing tonight to do a little self-assessment this evening, an, an honest taking stock of your life and, and God, maybe if you're honest, you, you actually like this thing called the spirit of Christmas. You like what happens this time of year, the music, the decorations, you like what happens to people, but you've never really said yes to the spirit of Christ. Maybe you'd actually say, I've never seriously had a conversation with God and talked to him and told him that I'd, I'd actually want him to be part of my life. I'd, I'd actually be interested in having him come and, and take up residence in me. I maybe understand uh, the, the whole Jesus and the cross, and I'd like him to, to be my leader and my forgiver and my friend. You know, one of our pastor friends at Hillside recently was telling us how he became a Christian and he basically wasn't sure if God was real. And so what he prayed was, he says, God, if you're real, I'm in. And, and actually, God came in. He's a pastor now, dramatically came in. Uh, that doesn't happen to everyone, just to those of you who just got scared about what I just said. Um, maybe you've got a lot to learn about him. You've got a lot of questions. You're not alone in that. Uh, that's been my story, especially when I was young. Maybe you're not even sure that God is real or Jesus is real. Maybe for you that decision is, actually this year I'm going to find out. I'm going to actually become part of a church. I'll, I'll join a beginner's class. I'll go to an alpha course. Absolutely, we'd love to help you with that. That's what we're here for. could be some other church, but maybe you're going to just start that journey of actually pursuing those questions. 
Maybe you'd say, you know, I, I have, at some point in my life, I've invited God into my life. I've come to know Jesus somewhere along the line, but the truth is I've been kind of holding him at arm's length for a while. There are some things that maybe he would want to change about me, and I'm not so sure I would want to change those. So I, I know he's somewhere in my neighborhood, but I've been kind of holding him away, and maybe the decision for you this Christmas is, all right, God, in my heart... I will let you be in charge. I'll I'll give you my life. I want you to lead my life. I wonder this night, uh, for some of you, maybe there's disappointment in your life. I know in a crowd like this, for some of you, you're all amped up. It is Christmas Eve. Or for some, it's just really painful. There's someone you miss. There's an empty place in your heart that's not getting filled. There's maybe a prayer that you've been praying for a long time now that hasn't gotten answered. And I I don't want to give you promises about tomorrow, um, and I I can't say that it'll be any easier than today. I can only tell you that the only ultimate hope for our world in its darkness is God. Nothing else, just God. And so we wanted to just give you a moment in this busy Christmas season to talk to him. So I want to just invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. Just take a moment of quiet here, if you would. There's a a lot of people here in this room, but this is your moment with God. He's here, and I'd encourage you to take it right now, just in quiet. Whatever it is you want to say to God. Maybe for some of you, it's Heavenly Father, I've never invited you into my life. I've never really asked Jesus in and and invited him to forgive me and to clean up the mess I tend to make of stuff. And I'm asking you tonight, I I want to know, I want to know that I'm I'm your daughter, I want to know that I'm your son. I want to say there's no decision like that one, and you might simply say, God, if you're real... I'm in. That could be your prayer tonight. Maybe what you want to say to God is, God, I want to know you. I've I've got questions. There's a lot I don't know, but I'm going to take you seriously this year. I'm not going to just tread water any longer about the most important issues in the world. I I want to get to know you, read about you, and and ask questions and find out for myself. And I'm, I'm just asking you, God, help me as I start out that journey. I wonder for some, maybe you're, you've been holding him at arm's length for whatever reason. And you just need to know right now, he's talking to you. <laughs> and uh, you maybe know that there's that tug inside of you. There's just something stirring. And you're, gonna, you're going, okay, God, I'm not going to hold you off any longer. Whatever it costs, I want to submit my life to you. I want you to be in charge. Help me with that. Wherever you're at, you can talk to God. He hears your prayers. And so, Heavenly Father, I, I'd say you know every heart. You hear every prayer. And I want to say you're our only hope. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. What a gift. The best gift. And that you're with us always. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
We have uh, some candles over here. These four uh, Hillside, along with many churches around the world, practice this thing called Advent. In the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, we light each, each of the candles, one added each Sunday, and they represent hope and, and joy and love and peace. And then on Christmas Eve, we uh, light the center candle, which we call the Christ candle. And it's in, in, in anticipation that these are gifts that Christ still wants to give to us, his hope, his his peace, his joy, his love into you. And as Christ gives us his light and hope, we share it. If you have a candle, we light it. in this Jesus, in his coming to this, this place called earth, the, the hopes and the fears of all the years are met in. So why don't we sing those words together, a little town of Bethlehem.
wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings we bring to you and your kin. Good tidings for Christmas and a Happy New Year. I know some of you wanted to keep on singing about figgy pudding, but no, figgy pudding's disgusting and we're not singing about it in this church. Um, just take a gander around. It's always good to just see the lights and the people around us as we celebrate Christmas together. What a, a treat that you've been able to be here with us and uh, what a special evening. Our wish for you is that wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, that you would meet the God who is there, who um, cares for you and uh, knows you better than you know yourself and uh, longs to walk with us through all of life. May God bless you this Christmas and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn toward you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, as you go, I mean, you don't have to go, because we've got, like, treats, as, you, as if you needed any more. But there are more treats, like in the other room in the West Hall, and uh, we also have uh, opportunity for hot drinks, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, we also recycle candles, so if you want to uh, drop them off in the foyer on your way out, you can do that too, and we'll reuse as we can. Uh, but let's blow out our candles together, shall we? Merry Christmas, everybody.